God, we, we thank you for what you're already doing this morning. We thank you for your spirit being at work in our midst. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to our hearts as we look at your word. Uh, let, it, let it go. Let it penetrate deep inside of us, God. We desire to bear the fruit of what you are planting in us, God. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, this morning, uh, some of you remembered, and some of you didn't, so I'll, I'll give a reminder. We started uh, having the elements available to have communion every week. Uh, so this morning, we started out uh, offering it before service, and uh, my intent was to do it before service and maybe in the, the beginning of the first song, but we, we kind of switched things up a little this morning because I wanted to honor the firemen's uh, time and their schedule to, to get them back next door. Uh, but that has started this week, so when you come in before service, if you want to receive communion, you can come up to the side here. Somebody will administer the elements to you. Uh, I had somebody that wasn't here last week. They, they saw the table and they said, is that a common cup? Do we, do we have to drink? And I was like, no, peace, peace to you. Relax. Uh, how many of you remember the word I used last week? Intinction. You guys are on the ball. Uh, intinction means uh, when you take a piece of the bread and you dip it into the juice and then you, you receive the elements together. So that's, that's how we're doing it, just to save uh, somebody having to fill up a bunch of little cups every week and just to partake that way. Uh, so that's what we're doing, and it's available beforehand. Uh, you know, I'm not even 100% sure if that's the same schedule we'll always keep or that's the same location, but we're going to start there and see how it goes. Uh, if you got to partake this morning, I trust you were blessed. And uh, I'm, I'm still praying about if we have it available at the end of service or not. Um, I'll let you know. Because there, there will be people from the altar ministry team up here praying for people. So we may uh, have that available as well. Uh, but for now, that's a good incentive to be at church early. And, <laughs> Besides, besides getting a good parking space, you can come get communion before service, but uh, be at church early. Uh, so I started talking last week about communion. Uh, I, I gave the, the main gist of last week is that God is all about food, that food's always a good idea. And then, and then I made the case that he actually gave us special food in history. He, he made available the very body and blood, the life of Christ was the food that he made available to us. And uh, we, we said last week, we kind of laid out the case that communion was often done in the early church as part of or at least in conjunction with a big meal. And, and so much so that, that Paul had to bring some correction to them in Corinthians because, hey, your meal's getting way out of hand and you're forgetting why you're doing it. And uh, God told us as often, Jesus told his disciples, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And... You guys can argue amongst yourselves about this, but I'm partial to the viewpoint of he wasn't just talking about receiving the elements. I think he was talking about eating because he knew eating something we all have to do every day, and he wants us to be thinking about him that often. So that's why we, we pray before we eat. That's why we take a moment to just reflect and think as often as you do this. Yes, he could have been talking about Here's the bread, here's the wine. But they were sitting at a meal. So he could have been saying, as often as you do this, do in remembrance of me. So that's, that's for your own study and decision. That's, I don't think that's an essential doctrine of the Christian faith that we have to be 100% in agreement on. 
to fellowship together. So as we're doing communion, as we're offering the elements, we are doing it in remembrance of him and, and partaking in what he's done. I wanted to start this morning just by telling you what some people believe happens during the communion meal, uh, some different viewpoints that are out there, and then talk about what we think about it. Uh, how many of you, this is probably the most famous word you hear, is how many of you have ever heard the word transubstantiation? All right, so all of my Catholic background people have definitely heard that one. Uh, that's primarily a doctrine in the Catholic Church. Transubstantiation is, is a big, long church word that means they believe that the bread and the, the wine or the juice, that when the priest blesses it, that it literally physically becomes the body and blood of Christ, which just sounds kind of strange to me, but not having grown up in that... Um, but that's what they teach. So that's why you see them at the Catholic Church. They make a very big deal about, hey, you can't touch, can't touch the bread or the host, they call it. You know, I have to put it in your mouth. We have something under there so we keep it from falling on the floor because we wouldn't want Jesus' body to be on the floor and have to get sucked up in the vacuum, right? That's why they do it that way. And then they, they teach, hey, the blood, is, is that's literally Jesus' blood in that cup. So when the priest is done administering the Eucharist, he goes in the back and has to finish all of the wine, which leads to other problems in the, in the Catholic Church. Like, hey, we only got three people in our congregation, but I bought a whole gallon, and uh, we won't go there. But that's transubstantiation. That's what they believe. Then there's others. Uh, they'll, they'll refer to what happens in the, in the ceremony as the sacramental union. And that's, that's primarily the Lutheran doctrine. You don't have to write all these down if you just want to listen and have a little history. Uh, the sacramental union is primarily a Lutheran doctrine, which I heard somebody uh, tell me recently. They said they referred to the Lutherans as Catholic light. Uh, so what they, what they believe in the, the Lutheran church is that the body and blood of Christ are present in, with, and under the elements. So somehow... The, the bread and the, and the fruit of the vine don't physically become the body and blood of Jesus, but his body and blood are present there as you're eating. So I guess that's, it might be splitting hairs a little bit, but that's what they think happens during communion. Uh, then you have a lot of the Reformed doctrine. Uh, they'll, they'll call it the spiritual or pneumatic presence because the Greek word pneuma means spirit, so the, the pneumatic presence of Christ. Uh, they say that Christ is present in the elements by the power of the Spirit and received by faith. So that's, that's a doctrine called the spiritual presence. And then the other most common viewpoint you'll hear is just symbolic. There are many, many Protestant denominations that teach that the bread and the fruit of the vine are simply symbols. That's all they are is just that reminds us of the sacrifice of the cross. It's just a symbol that you're receiving. There's no spiritual presence of Christ. So as, as you're thinking about all those viewpoints, I thought, well, what did Jesus really say? So, so in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as I was looking at that passage, and you're thinking about the different viewpoints that are out there, the, the transubstantiation, the sacramental union, the pneumatic presence, the symbolic, Jesus didn't say any of that. He, he didn't mention one thing about it. He didn't say, 
disciples, as you receive this bread, this is literally my flesh being transformed in this bread and you're chewing on my flesh as you're eating it. He didn't say that. He just said, take and eat. This is my body. I think there are some things in our Christian faith that we need to be comfortable leaving as a mystery. Is that okay with everybody else? <laughs> I, I think that there are some things that, that Jesus did them and modeled them not intending for us to set up a whole denomination or a whole theological discourse on let me prove what's really happening in that moment. How many of you ever heard the word mystical? You know, I, I think the New Agers have tried to co-opt our word for, for many years. I looked up the word mystical in the dictionary because I was trying to think, what do I, what do I want to call? What, what do I believe happens in that moment when we take communion? And the word mystical actually means having a spiritual meaning or reality that is neither apparent to the senses nor obvious to the intelligence. And I thought, man, that kind of describes what I think happens at communion. There is a spiritual reality that takes place in that moment that you can't explain with your mind. You can't perceive it with your senses, but you are partaking in something in that moment when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. The bread and the juice are not magical. Okay? Everybody on the same page? We, it's okay if you get some crumbs on the carpet and Bob has to sweep them up later. It's, they're not magical. What makes the communion meal important, what makes it special, what separates it, is the faith that is inside of you when you come to the table and partake. How many of you remember Hebrews? It says faith is a substance. In that moment, when you come to the table and you receive the bread, it is the faith that you're exercising that gives substance to what you're doing, that transforms it from just eating a little piece of bread and dipped in juice, or transforms it from a dead tradition to this is something alive, meaningful, and personal to me. It is the faith that you are exercising in that moment. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why would the communion table be any different? There's nothing magical about it. You're, you're not blessed just by coming up. It's the faith that is inside you that's being released in that moment. And for my two cents, I'm okay with saying the communion table is a mystery. It's, there's something supernatural that happens in that moment when I receive the life of Christ. When, when I come to the table, I, I don't care if you think it really is Jesus' body or not. I partake in it when I receive because I'm exercising my faith. And for too long, I think we've, the church has argued over it and we've split over it. And Jesus did not intend that. He wanted us to celebrate communion. The, the Greek word koinonia, fellowship. The communion table was meant to be something that brings people together, not separates them into different camps. So, here, don't go home and please, please don't go home and say, Pastor said he doesn't care about me. But <laughs> I'm going to say it. I don't particularly care what you believe happens in the elements, just so long as you are coming in faith, saying, I want to receive the benefits of all Christ did for me on the cross. And I'm reaffirming this as a testament to my participation in his life. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. All right, in Luke chapter 22 and 1 Corinthians 11, when it recounts 
the, the story of Jesus giving communion to the disciples, it adds on the phrase, do this in remembrance of me. We, all, we always say that one. Uh, that's where it's found scripturally is in those two passages. When it says, do this in remembrance of me, that's the same Greek word as what it used in Hebrews chapter 10 when it talks about the annual sacrifices for sin. Remember when they, they, they killed bulls and goats and made a sacrifice for sin every year? It says the annual sacrifices of sin were a remembrance of sin. It's the same word. And I looked a little further into that. I'm like, so what is, why is remembrance important then? Remembrance in that context means to perpetually give life to something by focusing on it and doing it over and over again. So in essence, that remembrance of sin, that would be like those, those animal sacrifices were like putting up a, a big billboard in the spirit saying, sinner. Those sacrifices were a reminder. It perpetuated that sin consciousness that said, this is your identity. You can paint it. You can put a new dress on it. You can do whatever you want to those sins. But that still denotes who you are. Those sacrifices were a remembrance to perpetuate that. Then Jesus comes in the new covenant and says, do this as a remembrance of me. What's that billboard say over your life now? Man, you guys are on the ball. I'm hearing all kinds of good stuff. Forgiven, free, cleansed. That's right. Jesus. There, there's a big sign over your life that says Jesus. And that coming to the table is like a, a testament. It's like you know, assuring everyone around. You look at me, the life of Christ is in me. I am a participant in all of His spiritual blessings. My identity, who I am inside, what I deserve, all of those things are no longer yes. denoted by the remembrance of sin in my life. Now there is a remembrance of Christ. And He defines who I am. I am made in His image and being fashioned into his very nature and character. That's good news. That ought to excite us about coming to the communion table. Last week, we, we read the discussion in John chapter 6 where, where Jesus told the, the people, unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no part in me. Everybody remember that passage? And it really wigged them out, didn't it? They got, they got angry. They started arguing amongst themselves. I've always wondered, could I ever say anything that would cause people to argue amongst themselves? Like to get people that worked up about something. But it, his statement caused them to argue amongst themselves. How can this guy really give us his flesh to eat? This is crazy talk. And there were probably some among them who were arguing, no, he's got miracles. He's a great rabbi. He's the Messiah. They, they started to argue. And how can he do this? And Jesus told them in John uh, 6.56, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Now, when the, when the natural and religious leaders hear that, they, they get upset. They get worked up about it because it's offensive. They, they wanted the law of Moses. They wanted a set of rules. They wanted a set of regulations. And to come on the scene and tell somebody this is the depth of the intimacy of a relationship that I want to have with you. That you're t- it's, it would be the same as drinking my blood, receiving my very life inside of you. How many of you know that if you're just looking for give me the list of what I need to do, 
to have somebody come and say, no, this is, I want intimacy. I want this relationship that's that deep. That's unsettling. They, that, that probably turned them off as much as anything else. Just that concept of, I have to be close to God. This is, what do I do? Jesus was imparting to them a spiritual truth, a reality of what he was about to do on the cross. The cross was literally going to give birth to a spiritual reality that could only be experienced in a completely different fashion than they had ever done in their lives. We come to church. And to us, it's like, oh, this is great. We get to come to church. We worship. God's presence shows up. He lives inside of me. I carry His presence. Never happened before in history when Jesus came on the scene and said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. That was completely foreign. The thing that we take for granted, the closeness, the intimacy, the relationship that we have with God was a completely new paradigm for them. They had never even grasped the concept or idea Even though God specifically kept lining it out in the Old Testament. I'm going to take your old heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put my spirit inside you. He gave them all kinds of pictures and prophecy. Yet they still were unnerved by the nearness of the relationship God wanted to have with them. When we partake through faith in communion. It's a testament that you are not of this world that you've been transformed, that you're a citizen of another place, that you are in Christ, that you are one with God. The same way that Jesus prayed in John, Lord, make them one, even as you and I are one. We, we read that scripture and we always think he's, he's talking about unity in the church and we need to stop having disagreements. But he was praying, make them one as you and I are one. Yeah. How how was how was he one with the Father? I mean, he he had that relationship. He was one with the Father, and that's what he was praying: was Lord, make them one, the same way. Give them this this connection, this relationship, this depth of intimacy that I have with you. Give it to them also. And he laid down his life on the cross to make that possible, and we proclaim it. We partake in it. We participate in those benefits every single time we come to the communion table. And I will go back. Remember last week at the very beginning, I said having communion every week is not a prerequisite to being saved. You're saved by grace, not through works, lest any man should boast. Romans 10 says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. But there's something mystical that happens at the communion table that we participate in His life and we continue to build that testament and that edifice in our lives that contains His presence. Does that make sense to anybody? I'm talking to the right crowd this morning, right? I thought about this too. In, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus told Satan he was being tempted. Uh, and uh, He told Satan, He says, It's written... Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was the word? Or, more accurately, who was the word? Jesus was the word. When, when you partake of communion, 
you are literally, you are internalizing the Word of God. Because Jesus came and said, I'm the bread of life. I'm, I'm the, the manna that came down from heaven. I'm the bread. He's also the Word. When you, this, is, this was, maybe it was just deep for me. I had to really think about and noodle this one through. But when you partake in communion, you're literally internalizing the Word of God and coming into agreement with His plans and purposes for your life. You're coming and saying, I am yours, you are mine. Continue to mold me, make me. Every time you come to the communion table, you're declaring that to not just to one another, but to the, the powers and the principalities of the air. God is making His wisdom known to the powers around us through the church. When you come to the communion table, you're declaring that. You're internalizing the Word. I'm going to talk about the rest of this next week. Because I, I got like all these people in the congregation with their black and gold on. <laughs> yeah, Robert's the spiritual one up here. He says, well, what's that mean? We're, we're, we're with you, Pastor. Keep preaching. Um, I do have some more things I want to say about communion. But the main point I wanted to make today is you are participating in the life of Christ. And it... It may be something that you can't articulate, you can't even explain. Leave it in that realm of mystery then. Just come to the table by faith and say, Lord, I'm, I'm receiving all that you did for me, all that you still want to do in my life. I receive it. Don't know what happens exactly to the bread and the juice, but it's your life. You said this is your body, this is your blood. Everything that your body and your blood purchased for me is mine. I'm going to keep feasting on you because it says if I, if I eat your flesh, drink your blood, I will remain in you. Let's go ahead and stand. Man, we got a guest next week. Okay. I'll get back to communion and we'll talk specifically about the benefits of what, what do we receive in that moment when we partake. What did His blood, what did His body, what did the death on the cross purchase for us that we are entitled to because of our standing in Him? Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Hmm. All right, well, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to ask the altar ministry team to come up and get, get ready